Hello and welcome to the Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. We're talking right now in the midst of a pandemic. And one of the things, if you're listening, uh, is that you are probably an entrepreneur. And if you're not an entrepreneur, you are definitely going to be involved and touched in some way by the activities of business that are being directly, directly impacted by uh, the shutdown that has accompanied uh, you know, the, the, this whole COVID-19 uh, uh, debacle of <laughs> the pandemic. Uh, and one of the things that I think is going to be really useful for us to talk about, and that's why I'm so excited about having uh, my guest with us today, Je uh, uh, Justin Goodbread, is we, we're going to be looking and exploring here some distinctions between profitability and value. And one of the things that Justin brings to the table, and this is, again, why I was so excited to have him joining me on the show, is he's got some real interesting, I think, and useful distinctions between business value and business profitability. And if your business is in any way, shape, or form being impacted, um, like so many are, uh, this is, I think, going to be a useful conversation for you to be a part of. So, uh, Justin, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thanks for having me, brother. Looking forward to it, the conversation. Yeah, same here. Same here. Now, you're out in Tennessee, and uh, I'm in, in uh, Washington State, um, and both of these states have been impacted differently. Uh, yeah, you know, the Seattle have. area, where I'm kind of hailing from right now, we got uh, you know the pointy end of the stick, so to speak, right at the very beginning. And yeah, as as I record this with you, it's it's March twenty, or I'm sorry, uh, May twenty first. So we've been shut down here for three months, uh, effectively, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes. And just now beginning to see, you know, peeking over the covers here, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And we think, and we don't think it's a train. So that's good news. Tennessee's been impacted a little bit differently, being in the middle part of the country and uh, and whatnot. So. From a business standpoint, and you know, I was sharing with you before we jumped into this, uh, I haven't had a haircut you know, since the 1st of March <laughs> and getting a little shaggy here. And, and bless my stylist. I mean, they, they, they've been very interestingly active, even though they haven't been able to do anything with haircutting or hairstyling. So this kind of is my segue into this notion of value. I have valued what they've been doing. They've been keeping us informed. Um, you know, it's a small shop, it's a boutique shop, but I feel as if I'm a part of what they're doing. And the, the, the value that they're creating in my mind is, is partly just mind share. You know, they haven't gone away. Uh, they, they've found ways to keep themselves present in my thinking. So you know, with that as kind of a segue and, and, and hopefully as a bit of an entree to you, how do you, how do you parse out business value versus business profitability? You know, most people I think are familiar with the money side of it the profitability piece. Yeah. So profitability is ultimately what we take home at the end of the day. I mean, that's the easiest way to describe it is what are you, what are you living off of? Whenever I talk about value, I'm talking about what is the transferable value of a business. In other words, if somebody were to come alongside Blaine and say, Hey Blaine, I want to buy your business. What do you value it at? Sales price might be another term that you could use there. Now, value could depict a number of different things, right? It could mean, as you were talked about in your particular illustration there, that you have a hairstylist who's been adding value. We have customers nationally that have done some very unique things. 
We've had a daycare that created homeschool curriculum for their students so their parents didn't go crazy, stir crazy at home with the kids during the COVID situation. That's adding a value situation there, right? But ultimately, everything that we do in our business, whatever that may be, especially for us entrepreneurs, everything we do should be able to be delineated down to a, to a transferable price point right? Mm -hmm. It should be able to be delineated down to what does this affect a potential buyer of my company, whoever they may be. So whenever I speak about value, I'm often talking about what would we put on our, our, our net worth statement and went to the bank to borrow some money? How will we describe the value of our business? Now, here's where it gets scary, okay? And this is where I think COVID is going to hit us right between the teeth, oh, so to right. speak, is yeah. Business owners here in the United States, here's a statistic that just mind boggles me. There's 5.6 million small business owners who make less than 5 million a year that basically employ about 40% of the population. Now, Marco Rubio was a famous senator who, during the beginning of the CARES Act, mentioned there were 30 million business owners. He was talking about those who, have, who employ people and the solopreneurs out there, the ones who are just working by themselves, maybe like a hairdresser who maybe have their own particular business. And whenever we look at this particular number, though, 5.6 million, only about 4% of those businesses will ever transact, will ever sell for what the business owners think they're worth. Only about 12% of those businesses will actually transact at all. That means 80% roughly of businesses will never sell, will never pass to the next generation, will never go to their employees, will never go to a venture capital firm. They're just going to die or dissolve. So whenever I look at value, it is, as a business owner, how can I create a business that works for me very much, very similar to a rental property? How can I create a business for me that will provide me income without me having to actually punch the clock every day, like so many in lifestyle businesses do? So to me, value is, Blaine, is all about that. Yeah. Now, it is, so most of that definitional process that you've worked with are for and then and, and, and you know, it's kind of you know, in the face of this uh, pandemic for viable businesses that are up and running. Now, if I've been hammered by COVID and, uh, and I've been doing my, you know, I've been actually minding my P's and Q's, my, my balance sheet's good. Uh, you got a, I had a pretty good P&L going into this with the, uh, by February, but all of a sudden, you know, things have turned upside down. Um, what kind of strategies, and here I'm talking to a strategist, I, I, I truly am, and for those of you that are listening here, Justin is uh, um, one of the best known wealth management uh, gurus, I think, in the country. Um, just real quickly here, he's the owner of Heritage Investors, and, and, he, and he's got a, uh, a website that I want you to check out. It's called financiallysimple.com. Uh, he's a nationally recognized financial planner, educator, wealth manager, and author. And yeah, he's got some fascinating, I think, in, and interesting um, strategies, tactics, and ideas about how you sustain value over time and actually build value in the way that he's been describing it. When things have turned upside down and all of a sudden my business is facing an existential crisis, yeah. yeah what am I going to do with my value? And, and partly, I think this is steeped in how we define brand. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So Come here's me, what I, I would say. But whenever, I, whenever this first started, whenever we first got the glimmer of this, of how, how deep this particular crisis could be, um, 
there were two ways you could approach it. You could approach it, you could approach it as chicken little with the sky falling, or you could approach it as an opportunistic uh, position. I took the position as a business owner over 25 years, somebody who's already started and sold three businesses for a profit. Somebody consults hundreds of businesses across our nation with our team here with, with, within Heritage. Um, I took the position that business owners, no matter how bad they will be affected, use that term, or how, how maybe they're not affected. Um, that we can look at this crisis as an unbelievable opportunity. So whenever we began this, we, we took a simple strategy. And that is, whenever this transpected, whenever the, the started hitting us, and you had it happen in Washington far before it ever hit us in Tennessee. So we got a little bit more of a, uh, of a chance to watch the wave come toward us versus you guys getting just impacted right off the bat. But whenever we, got, whenever we start, saw it coming, we started teaching our business owners to do a couple of different steps. The first one is, take in your mind's eye and maybe you're sitting here in mid-may whenever we're doing this recording you're saying man i remember what it was like in january and february i mean our country was on a roll we had lowest unemployment of all times now we're at the highest unemployment highest unemployment of all times we went to the position of we were running about a 3.6 percent gdp growth rate now we're who knows we may be in a recession i think we are in a recession at this point um, we may end up being going into a depression who knows at this particular point so we know back in january we had a unbelievable trajectory and then all of a sudden we shut off demand we shut demand off we didn't we didn't have a, a problem like we did in 08 or 09 we were scared about the banking industry or all those issues we basically said you know what we're going to shut our country and we're going to shut the globe down for that matter and we're going to protect human life and I'm grateful we did. I am. Human life to me is far more valuable than any type of money situation. I mean I often hear often say that if we can solve our problems with money we don't have problems right so I, we shut this demand down Whenever we did that, I want you to take as your business, as a business owner, put your mind's eye back into what you experienced in January and February. Now, maybe a little hard, but go back. What did you like in your business? What did you dislike in your business? The trajectory that you were on at that particular point, did you like where you were headed? You know, out of this particular crisis, as you mentioned, out of this particular crisis, we've had business owners who said, you know what, I was on this path to open up multiple locations, now I'm not. I don't want to do that. I found out that I really like being at home with my kids. I'm really enjoying this. I want to move my business from this empire strategy to a lifestyle business. On the opposite side, we've had business owners that were in a lifestyle business saying, oh my goodness, I don't want to be at home with my kids. I don't want to do that. I want to go out and create a, 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 an empire type of strategy, a marketing type of strategy. So first thing I would tell you to do is figure out where you were and what you liked and didn't like. And then number two, it's this simple, where do you want to go? You know, we've had a lot of time to reflect on what we like and who we are. And we have a lot of time to say, do we want to start another business? Do we want to get out of business? Or is it now time to hang the hat up? I've heard that a lot here the last little bit. I'm a, I'm a facilitator. I'm a teacher at the Exit Planning Institute. And I have a lot of people who say, Justin, I'm done. Hang the hat up. I'm done. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Oh, eight kicked my tail. COVID kicked my tail. I'm done. I've had a lot of people who say, you know what? I've watched business owners, the passion, the, the, the desire they have. I want to jump into this. So no matter where you're at in this position, I would say figure out what you, where you were headed and what you liked. And then what would you change in your trajectory to get to where you want to be? And then we can dive as deep into the techniques as possible as you want to, Blaine. Yeah. No, I, I love that answer because it's not predicated on, like you said, an economic collapse like was present when the banking industry went sideways and the housing industry went sideways. So um, 
Yeah, and you know this probably as well as I do, that there were more millionaires made per capita in the U.S. during the Great Depression right. than at any other point in uh, the U.S. history. So opportunity is always the counterpart to great calamity. And the, the, the strategy, though, here is you, we've had time and we still have time to look at the trajectory. I, 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 I mean, as you're talking, I was listening you know, with uh, yeah, an invested interest here because my business historically had been live seminars, live consulting on the road. I mean, I, this is the longest period in 40 years that I have not been on an airplane. And real honestly, I'm loving it. I'm absolutely thinking that this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I get to sleep in my own bed every night. Yeah, that sort of a thing. So I'm re, you know, I am reinventing the entire business model. You know, our, our firm is going to be different and it is already different. You know, we're doing a lot more stuff you know, digitally uh, online and, and it's predicated on what would I love? I mean, it really does kind of come down to what would I love? And it, it, uh, what I, interestingly, the, the upside of this whole uh, COVID thing is it's a forced process for me. I've had to make a choice. And there is, you know, I, I put a blog up or a, a post, a video uh, post up not too long ago about, you know, return to normal. Be careful what you ask for. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that's going backwards. What do you want to have coming forward? So yeah, that's, I, would say, I, I love hearing that. Lana, as you're looking at this forced, forced correction or forced discipline, um, you know, oftentimes we business owners are chasing our tail. We really have mm -hmm. been. We've been chasing yeah. our tail, trying to produce dollar, trying to create more trade, create more top line gross revenue, only to have a, a little tweaking of margin at the very bottom because we were running our expenses up. And so now we're sitting here saying, okay, time out. The definition of insanity, we all know what that means. So now we're mm -hmm. now going and saying, how can we change this? My challenge to business owners is this. Don't change this for the sake of changing. You're having to figure out within your business, where are you headed? There's two, there's two, only two paths you can take. Candidly, there's, there's ultimately many destinations, only two paths. The first path you can do is you can have what's called a lifestyle business. And that is very simple to where in your business, you're producing revenues, you're keeping your margins, your expenses very small. You're running a high profitability. And there's that term profitability. You're running a lot of money and you're taking it home to your personal finances. In a lifestyle business, you're typically not going to sell that particular uh, business. That's nothing wrong with that. You end up seeing a lot of contractors. You end up seeing a lot of uh, uh, spokespeople. You see a lot of doctors that run this site. There's not a problem in the world with that. The other path, though, if you shows, you know what? I don't want to be a lifestyle business. I want to have, I want to have something and an ambition in life. So this is where I'm at. I could easily convert my business to a lifestyle business and have more business than I could shake a stick at and have a little bit more income coming in. But ultimately, in my, what drives me is I want to create, I want to create a narrative change. I personally want to see change where business owners do not work their whole life, blood, sweat, and tears in their business, and then reach the point to where now they're ready to, quote, retire or kick it back a little bit or slow down, and they're broke. 
because that's what happens. 80% of our net worth is our business. And so business owners are often chasing their tail and they're broke. So I personally have this mission that I believe from the divine that I say, I want to change the narrative. So that's what I personally drive at. Well, I can't do that as a lifestyle business. I can't get enough bandwidth. I can't get enough impact or capacity. So years ago, I created a, a, a business that ultimately should be able to run without me at the epicenter of the business. That's the key. We want our business to be able to run without the epicenter. And it talks a lot about, how, about this idea. We talk about the McDonald's situation. I often say that McDonald's, the fast food restaurant, I figured out how to teach 16 year olds how to cook french fries without burning the restaurant down. We want to do that in our own businesses, but how do you do it? How do you do it? And what should we be focused on at this particular point within our business while we have time, right? Yeah. So we've been forced to sit still and say, okay, let me think methodically about this. I'm going to tell you, it's going to boil down to the strategic plan. But it's not a strategic plan in the sense that, hey, I'm going to come up with a couple of big rocks. And let me figure out how to do it. You got to dissect your business and there's eight key areas, eight, the number eight key areas. And I say the number eight because I have a Southern draw and people say, what are you talking about? But the, the number eight, there are eight key areas of business, right? So I'm going to go through those. And as I go through these, the listener, I want you to think about where you're the strongest in and where are you the weakest in? And I'm gonna bring this to a point, some practical advice that you can use to dynamically change your business from this point forward. So here we go. If you're a driver like me, if you're a high D personality, you're a CEO type personality, Blaine, I imagine this is from a little conversation, you're a high D personality type so because yep. you're speaking, et cetera. So if you're a high D, then you're probably very strong at planning and leadership, those two areas of your business. You're doing, you're putting plans together, you're holding the rest of the team accountable, you're looking at your forecast, you're looking at your leadership plans, you're looking at your marketing plans, you're looking at your operational efficiencies, all those various things. You're a planner by nature. Or you're there trying to teach leadership. How am I going to build an expert team around me? How am I going to impact my customers? So those are the first two areas that we got that we have to focus on. Now, if you're an I personality, if you're that fun, loving, jovial, life of the party personality, then more than likely you're really strong at sales, which is getting people to buy your goods and services or marketing, which is getting people to come to buy your goods, actually getting them to come knock on the door. So whenever we look at sales and marketing, we have to actually convey that and bring that back to a plan, right? We have to document it, create our KPIs, key performance indicators from those two areas. The next two areas of business is people and operations. And that's typically going to be your S personality. Those are the checklist people, right? They're the ones who like to see step one, step two, step three, step four. The last two areas of your business is finance and legal or risk management. And those are your C type personalities. Those are very detailed. I pick on my CPA friends. I love them to death, but they're often bean counters. I give them a hard time for that. And they say, yeah, yeah, well, you're just a visionary. So they're the bean counters, so to speak, they're very meticulous in nature. So whenever you look at your business, your eight key areas of your business, whether it's planning and leadership, sales and marketing, people operations, finance and legal, those eight key areas. What I'd like for you to do is rank them from a scale of one being the strongest to eight being the weakest. And then at this particular point, you're going to devise a plan to where you, the business owner, can focus on your strongest position. You've got to focus in on your strongest. You have to become razor focused on what you're the best at. And then you want to either outsource or bring on board parties who are the weakest. So if you're a, if you're a planner like me, if you're a spokesperson, a high D personality, 
I'm very, very weak when it comes to people and sensing and feeling and all that touchy-feely mumbo-jumbo. That's not me. I'm very weak on trying to walk people through a step-by-step-by-step process. Coming to the details, that's not who I am. So I have to have somebody who is just as strong in their personality opposite of me to levelize the plate, so to speak, to levelize the, the field of my business. So as we're looking at this time, this opportunity that we have as business owners to redirect, relaunch, re, 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 recast, whatever direction you want to use that reword at this point. My challenge to you is do a dissection of your business with those eight key areas, figure out which of those eight areas you're the strongest in, and then immediately begin the weakest area from the number eight up and then start outsourcing or start building team members in those very weak areas going from number eight all the way up to number one. And if you do so, through that process, you're going to identify the SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. You're going to identify mm -hmm. those key values and cultures and all those other cliche terms that business advisors like to talk about. But in practicality, you're trying to dive into where are you weak at and how do you hone it up? That's great. You know, that, that DISC model, um, you know, I've used that um, all over the world, uh, you know, the DISC profile, but I, I haven't heard anybody actually kind of put them in the categorically the way that you've defined it here. That's a, that's a very elegant way to put that. Uh, so real quickly, yeah, the eight are just enumerate yeah, them again. Sure. Planning, leadership, Planning. sales, marketing, people, operations, finance, and legal. Bingo. And I like that you said, focus on your strengths. Yeah, far too often in the coaching work that I do, people want to reinforce or shore up their area of perceived weakness. Mm -hmm. That has got a minimal return on investment, I think. Yeah. yeah. In the long I can outsource well, it. Well, you know, the way I look at it is, is we have this, we have this football team. We're real big in the South over here of football. We have, <laughs> we love our college football. I can't stand the Rocky Top song. I'm a Georgia Bulldog myself, but we have this team called the Volunteers. If everybody on the team was a quarterback, it doesn't work. If I was right. trying to teach my quarterbacks how to be a running back, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. So if I'm an excellent quarterback, let me be an excellent quarterback let's hire somebody in or let's outsource or let's bring a member of the team in that can be an excellent running back. I cannot be all things to all people. Right. Yeah, that, that is very true. Now, one of the things that you mentioned, I'm going to circle back on this, um, two types of business pathways yeah. you know, that you can kind of go down. One is lifestyle. The other one is, you know, making a larger impact and you need to build a business in order to make that larger impact. So it's a shift in focus. And Simon Sinek talks about defining the why of the business. Uh, and I know Simon. Uh, one of the things that I've you know, kind of wrestled with with him a little bit is there's a distinction between the why of the business and the for the sake of what of the business. And when, you're when you were talking about lifestyle versus, you know, the, in my language for it, the impact structure, that's the for the sake of what. And that for the sake of what, to me, speaks to the soul of the business. It's kind of like, why did I get into this in the first place? And Yeah, you know, Blaine, we, I, I, I can actually talk to that. My first business I sold was a landscape business, like every other boy in the Southeast United States, right? But I had this yeah. idea, I love to grow things. My, actually, my, my base degree is horticulture. I love to grow things. I have a massive garden that I get on my tractor. And we have, it's unbelievable, it's fun. It's my therapy for my mind. 
Whenever yeah. I was 16 years old, I wanted to grow a purple daylily, a true purple daylily. At the time, there wasn't any in the United States. And I wanted to learn the science around genetically modifying the color scheme of a plant. Now, I know I was a little nerd at that time, but that's what I wanted to do. Before you knew it, though, I, I took the why of what I wanted to do and turn it into more important chasing the dollar. And all of a sudden, the American dream of creating this daylily that was purple was replaced with now a headache of babysitting 40 um, individuals who just didn't care about my why. So yeah. whenever we're doing this COVID situation, that's where I go back to what did you like about your business? I'm using simple terms, not the typical rhetoric. What did you like about the situation? Why? What would you have done differently if you now that you have time to think through this and why? And what is it ultimately that you want to have, that you want to accomplish in life? And there's not a right or wrong answer to that by any means. No, yeah. no, I, I, I love the way that that kind of comes full circle. I mean, I, I truly do. And you're, you're and I, I'm glad that you mentioned your uh, agricultural <laughs> background here. I grew up on a farm in Oregon. And uh, so I've got, I've got a lot of familiar, the dirt is where I get my peace. I mean, it truly is. Uh, it yeah. just kind of gets, you know, allows me to calm down. But the idea there of reconnecting to the, the for the sake of what am I doing this? You know, for the sake of what? Am I, am I trying to build my business or run my business? I think that that's a perfect place for us to begin to wind this. Uh, I can't believe that 30 minutes has gone by so fast here. Um, but yeah, as we look at this, I'm very intrigued with just, yeah. Two or three nuggets that you can leave with the listeners, particularly entrepreneurs. Somebody that's going, I don't know what to do next. If you don't know what to do next, um, I'm, I'm reminded as you say that, and, and you broke up a little bit there, Blaine, but I think I got your question there. But as, as as I'm thinking about that question, I think about the, the show Alice in Wonderland. And Alice is running around mm -hmm. crazy, and she visits the cat. And if you've never seen this, Google it on Alice in Wonderland. I think it's Cheshire Cat. And she asked the question, where, which way do I go? And he said, which way do you want to end up? And she goes, I don't really care. And she goes, at that point, it doesn't matter. If you're looking at business, there's going to come a point in your life whenever you will leave your business. I was had the opportunity, and I'm gonna use that word very tactically here. I had the opportunity to visit the deathbed of a very dear friend of mine who I respected greatly in business. And he held my hand as he was passing on. He said, Son, I never regretted a day that I spent with my family. He put just like that, he said, Son, I never regretted a day that I spent with my family. But I do regret a lot of times at home. And from that seasoned warrior, right, that business warrior that he then went on to say the thing that we've often heard the dash. He said, it doesn't matter where you started or where you end. It matters that little dash in between, son. That's all that matters. You know, one of the saddest places to me, Blaine, in the world is, this, is a cemetery. Not the fact that somebody's died. I think that's just a part of life. We all are going to experience it at some point. However, if we leave it on, the, if we don't leave it on the field, Whatever it is, if we don't leave it on the field, metaphorically speaking, and we go to our grave with, with, with ambitions that we never strive for, and mm -hmm. we go to our grave with regrets, what a sad position, number one, for that person, number two, for the heirs, and number three, for those people who have invested so much in their lives. So to me, if you yes. don't know what it is that you want to do, 
if this COVID situation has rocked your world inside and out, take a deep look about it, what it is that makes you happy. I can, I can say that this is how I came to this position. I was, my wife and I were expecting our first, first baby, my daughter, Savannah, and we had it all planned. I'm a typical control freak, right? I'm a high D. I had the whole thing planned out. Biggest case of my life and finance was coming up. I had it about a month before my wife, my, my baby was supposed to be born. And wouldn't you know it, my calendar's packed and my daughter comes a month early. And I can remember leaving the hospital with this, my very first little girl in my hands. And I'm going to meet this clown, this guy, this clown, this, this pain in the butt that ended up being, so to speak. And he looked at me and, and I, I said, I'm sorry, I'm a little late. I was about five minutes late. I'm sorry, I'm a little late. My wife and I just had our baby. He never one time said, congratulations. He never one time said anything. He looked at me and he said, don't let it happen again. And at that moment, what he said to me, what I heard was, what I heard was, I don't give a flying flip about you. And what I heard was, I just left my wife and my brand new baby to come and try to help you and serve you, and you're, we're done. And I got up and literally walked out of the meeting. And at that moment, I realized in my own bit, my why came to be, if I'm going to leave my beautiful wife, my three children, my farm, my tractor, and everything that I've been blessed with, I'm going to leave that and go have the opportunity and honor to serve somebody. I want to make sure that their mission, whatever it is, and my mission align the fact that we have mutual respect for each other, that we like each other, that we can go hunting or fishing or do whatever it is together, that at the end of the day, we can look back and say, you know what, I left every bit of my knowledge, my ability, either at home with the people whom I love and trust, or on the field of this business world. To me, my why ended up being, what is it you're going to leave this world with? If you don't know those answers, take a hard look. And the sad part about it is, it may actually take a COVID crisis to realign or clarify your vision. It may take a bankruptcy. It may take a divorce. It may take a sickness within your family to actually very clearly define what it is that you were set on this earth to do that no one else can do except for you. And the moment you realize that, the moment you realize that, money doesn't matter. Prestige doesn't matter. It all becomes the mission of what it is you're on this earth to do. That's my challenge to you, friends. Beautiful. I love that. My guest today is Jason Goodbread. Uh, Jason, where can people find out more about Heritage, more about you, and uh, more about uh, the Financially Simple uh, yeah, so Structure. check out financiallysimple.com. That is where we share about 99.99% of the information from our colleagues within our organization. It's a portal. It's the education portal. There's no sales techniques anywhere on there by any means. It's just pure data. From there, you can stem off to our podcast. We have a podcast with about 300 episodes where we're teaching business to people. You can check out our books on Amazon. We have a book called The Ultimate Sale, How to Drive Your Business Value Up so you can sell it for a profit. We have courses, you know, social media. You can connect it all from financiallysimple.com. Great. I appreciate it. Guest again today, Jason Goodbread uh, out of Tennessee, lives on a beautiful farm. <laughs> Lane, thanks for um, having me, man. I'd love to be on the West Coast and see that area. That's one of my actually destinations. I always talk about Seattle area. My wife and I ultimately want to come out there and visit that part. I've never been there. Looking forward to it. Well, you got to come. Yeah, when when things start to open up and and, and you are of a mind, yeah, and you, you decide to point northwest, uh, let me know. I'll, I'd love to host you up here on the island. Would love it. Would it. Would love that pleasure. opportunity. Would love that opportunity. Great. Well, this has been Blaine Bartlett. Uh, you've been listening to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. You can find out more about what I'm up to at blainebartlett.com. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention um, my new book, The Leadership Mindset Weekly. 
You can get a copy of it on my website, blainebartlett.com, and or at uh, all of the regular places, uh, specifically uh, Amazon, both in Kindle as well as uh, hard copy. Um, also, there is a leadership mindset mastermind that you might be interested in that accompanies the book. I won't talk much about that. You can find out more information about that on the website. Again, Blaine Bartlett. You've been listening to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.